Uh, for those of you who are uh, visiting uh, with us, it's our uh, habit, has been for some years, to take the first Lord's Day of every month and go together through uh, our Confession of Faith, the London Baptist Confession of 1689. And we are coming today to the, uh, the only uh, chapter in our Confession of Faith that has one paragraph. So most of them have multiple, some of them have a good number of paragraphs in the chapter. This one uh, is only one, but it is very, very densely packed. Uh, and it is so densely packed that we could profitably, and I say this without any exaggeration, take uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 weeks just to deal with what is in these few words in our confession of faith. And that is chapter 12 on the subject of adoption. Now, every time I think that I have preached or taught on the subject of adoption, uh, I quote from J.I. Packer's chapter in the book Knowing God, uh, the chapter Children of God, and it's been quoted, I think, fairly recently uh, by Pastor Derek, but um, it doesn't hurt to hear it again. Uh, Some of you may not have, I don't want to assume everybody has heard it, if you've heard it, you may have forgotten it, but let me... Uh, read what uh, Packer has to say about the subject of adoption. He says this, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father, he says, is the Christian name for God. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the paragraph and then we're going to try to uh, unpack it together. I don't know that we'll finish uh, today, but as I said, this is certainly uh, worthy of far greater reflection. Uh, I think some years ago, back in oh, 10, 10 years or so ago, I can't remember when it was, I did a five or six part series uh, on adoption. So and that was five, six hours of instruction. So again, there's a lot uh, that we can deal with here. So paragraph 12, or so chapter 12 says this, all those who are justified, God conferred in and for the sake of his only son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put on them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. If you don't understand that, If you don't understand as a Christian that that's true of you, then there are joys and delights in your Christian life that that you're just not going to be able to embrace 
and to live out as well as one who by God's grace is made to understand that this is true. Now before we go uh, into this, I want want to say that there are two teachings in the Bible in regard to sonship. And and when I say sonship, uh, ladies, you you are not uh, outside of that uh, generally in in these times, uh, the, uh, the, the male, the oldest male, was the, uh, was the heir. And so in this sense, both men and women, as they receive uh, this inheritance from the Lord, are, are regarded in this sense as sons, not biologically, uh, but spiritually uh, and allegorically uh, are regarded as sons. We're going to deal today with, with the subject of adoption. But what's the other part of sonship in, in the word of God? And what's the difference between the two? The Bible teaches that we are sons in a way other than by adoption. Okay, birthright. What, what else? Somebody want to? Maybe I'm not making my question. By new birth. Right. We have a new birth. We have the seed of God. We are the children of God by way of the new birth. And so the new birth deals with the change of nature. We are given a new nature. We're given a new heart, a new mind. We are born from above or born again. But adoption deals with what? So one deals with our nature and the other deals with our, our status, our legal standing. Okay, now this chapter is going to blend some of those together. But if you want to do a study and, and say in what way are we the children of God, we could make a large argument and say uh, we are all his offspring. Read about that in Acts chapter 17. That there's a general sense in which we're all the children of God. But in specific to the Bible's teaching on being children of God and the boldness and the joy and the confidence and the love that we embrace, one deals with our change of nature and the other deals with our change of status or legal standing before God. Uh, To be adopted in the ancient world was not quite the same thing as we sometimes think of it. When, when, When we adopt a child, if some of you were to adopt a child, you would focus very much on Things like we chose to love you, we, 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 we sought you out, uh, we went through all of this in order to bring you into our home and we would focus on, on those aspects of it and, and quite often it deals with little children. In the ancient world, the world in which Paul is, is writing, often adoption was of older people. Uh, you might have a, an, a landowner who didn't have a, a natural heir, didn't have a child that he could give things to and so they might adopt someone uh, and make them part of the family and then they would have somebody to pass on uh, the inheritance to. And so that's something of what in the ancient world uh, was uh, in view with adoption. It was this matter largely of inheritance and privilege. But as we're going to see here, there's even more uh, than that. So several things I want to deal with in somewhat of an, uh, an introductory way. And the first question we want to ask is this. Who are the objects of adoption? Who is adopted? All right, so believers, the elect. If you look at, look at, look at the, if you have the, if you have a, there's a copy of the confession in the back of the hymnal. 
You may want to look at it there because those who are justified. All right, Jake, I'm going to ask you a really hard question. How many of those who are justified are adopted? All right, all of them. Now, what does it mean to be justified? And how important is justification in regard to what we call salvation and our hope of heaven? Uh, it's, a, it's a legal declaration of our righteousness. It is the taking away of our sin and our guilt and the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. So that we say sometimes it's just as if I had never sinned, but also just as if I had always obeyed. Uh, that, that is in the complex of justification. Now, how crucial is justification to our salvation? 100%. <clears throat> How crucial is adoption to our salvation? Is it? No. <laughs> no, not in the same way. How much is it crucial to your enjoyment of salvation? See what I'm saying? You're not sa- this doesn't save you. <clears throat> we could argue that there's a sense in which you could be saved and go to heaven and be in the presence of God Do you have to be his child to do that? Do you see what I'm saying That This is a privilege. This is a blessing. This is the cherry on top. What do you need to go to heaven? You need to to have your sins forgiven. You need to have Christ's righteousness given to you. And, And so that we could say in one sense, well, that's enough. I mean, if if that's all that I need to escape the wrath of God forever and to enjoy the blessings of heaven, to have my sins taken away, and God says, I'm not just going to take your sins away. But in the complex of what we would call salvation, I'm going to treat you as though you are my child. Do you understand the difference of that? So we could argue, I mean, it's an argument that I'm making, This isn't necessary in this sense for our standing before God. That's done in Christ. To have a perfect righteousness before him. But God does more than that. There is in this an internal subjective sweetness that we ought to embrace. Adoption touches upon our being more than sinners saved by grace. More than creatures redeemed by their creator. And more than being subjects of a gracious reconciled king. It's personal. God is saying to sinners who have been justified by faith. That the dynamics of our relationship have changed in a multitude of ways. We are no longer enemies, no longer estranged, and Christ teaches that we are friends. And again, all of that is, I mean, just to have, again, just to have the enmity removed, just to no longer be estranged. I can can have enmity removed and not be family. We can be friends and not be family, but God is bringing into this matter this familial family relationship and this is true of each and every one of those who have been justified by faith 
Now, not everybody necessarily knows this, and not everybody necessarily enjoys this. If you are constantly living in a sense that God is angry or disappointed with you, God doesn't desire that you're a pest, that, yeah, he's going to let you go to heaven because Jesus died for you and he's kind of legally bound to let you in, but that he has no heart for you, that he has no affection for you, that he's never pleased with you, that he's never content with you, that he never enjoys you, the way that we enjoy family in a, in, in, a, in a functioning family. And again, this is true of everyone who has been justified, all of them. Those who grew up in, in wonderful, happy homes and those who were maybe abandoned by their fathers, those abused by their fathers, those who were, had distant, disinterested, distracted fathers. When the framers of the confession, or what the framers of the confession are saying in essence is that adoption is a part of that, what we sometimes refer to that golden chain of redemption. Whom he foreknew, these he called. Whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he adopted. This is part of what they're arguing. Paul doesn't state it explicitly, but he's saying, they're saying this is how we need to think. And whom he adopts, he sanctifies, and whom he sanctifies, he also glorifies. This is a part of that uh, chain of redemption that we need to understand. And again, there are times when believers may think to themselves, yes, Jesus died for me, and yes, I'm justified in him, but that does not mean that God loves me or desires me or welcomes me into the family. Again, do you see the difference? You go to a courtroom and, and the judge bangs the gavel and says, not guilty. Release the prisoner. That's one thing. But then he steps down and says, are you an orphan? Yes. Do you have a home? No. Do you need a place to live? Do you need a family? need someone to love you and come alongside you? Well, welcome into my family. That doesn't happen in an earthly court, but this is what God does. Sometimes we have the idea that God has his favorites. You know, they're the ones that are around the family table and the rest are watching from the outside with their noses pressed against the glass. It's the idea of some, I don't know, do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you're not really a part? You're not in the inner circle? You're not really uh, in or on the heart of God? Well, Paul says this, and this is part of the wonder of all of this. This is Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ or in union with Christ, just as he chose us in union with Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, <clears throat> having predestined us. All right, so for those of you visiting, we are, you may have noticed, we're called the Reformed Baptist Church. And so part of Reformed uh, points to what are called the doctrines of grace, which means that we delight in the sovereignty of God and we believe that God is a predestinating God that God, God determines things, God plans things. He, he has a plan that he is sovereignly 
working out. And, and, and he predestined us, listen, not just to glory, not just to salvation, not just determine that we would have our sins taken away. But he predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. This is part of God's plan of the ages. And we talk about that sometimes. Man, before the world began, God loved us and, and, and God knew us and, and God gave us to his son and the son would come and die and, and pay the penalty. But, but part of what he was predestinating and predetermining is that you'd be his children by Jesus Christ through the work of Christ and in union with Christ, but to himself that he would take you, listen, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So how accepted are you? How accepted are you? You're as accepted as the beloved is. All right, so we're already touching on this, but the objects of adoption are those who are justified. But consider, what are the grounds of our adoption? What are the grounds of, of adoption? So people might have different grounds over which they adopt. Some can't have children. Uh, some adopt out of just, they, they have a, a large heart and they have a, resources and they want to add to their family and maybe they've done with their so-called biological family. They want to add, add others. Sometimes it's a children of a friend or the children of a relative and the relatives have died and you bring in the children, you have different grounds. What are the grounds of our adoption? Why or how did God adopt you? What was in his heart and in his mind? What was the process of God's adopting you? Because of the son. All right, because of the son. John, can you, flat, you, want, can you want to try to flesh that out a little bit or... Hmm. He loves those people because he loves the son. So by giving us his son because he loves the son, he loves us. And he has, since he chose us before time began, because of his love for the son, he adopts us. Okay. All right, that, that's good. Uh, I realize those may not be able to hear everything, but, but just trying to unpack this reality that there's, there's no adoption apart from our union with Christ. There's no being made accepted apart from, and, and, and there can be no sense of, of this aspect of God's satisfied love, God's uh, what, what are sometimes called a, a love of contentment uh, that the old writers spoke of. There is a love of benevolence, a love of kindness, there's also a love of contentment, which means that there's, there's no tension in God's love. There's, there's, there is a, an acceptance of those uh, who are in Christ. Now, you'll note here, and if you have your confession open up, there are two terms that are used here, in his only son and for the sake of his only son. So one is in union with Christ. We touched on that just a moment ago in John uh, open that up in Ephesians 1. It is in his son. And, and this is, boy, I don't know if we've ever done a real long series on union with Christ. But in a lot of ways you can't understand Paul's 
thinking of salvation apart from this issue of union with Christ. It's one of those things that's it's far easier to, to talk about and kind of talk around than it is to, like, yeah, it's one of the things like, yeah, I think I get it. You know, uh, it, it, there, there's a lot of depth here. It is in his son that is in union with Jesus that this blessing and privilege is bestowed on us. Again, if we were not in him, we would not have these rights and privileges, but we are attached to him and he is the son, so he's now our elder brother. It's because of who he is and what he did and that he attached us to himself and made us share in or partake in those redemptive realities that we can now be treated as children of God. But it is not just our union with Christ, but for the sake of Christ. So what does that mean? What do you think, what, what is being brought out there? So yes, in union with Christ, but for the sake of Christ, that we are made Well, okay, but does does adoption need to to be a part of that, or? I guess that's the greater end of it, Christ. Okay. Anybody else? For the sake of Christ. Yes, we are adopted because we're in union with Christ, but when it says it's for the sake of Christ, what what are they? Okay, he loves us, don't want to lose him. Marie, what are, you, what are you thinking here? Okay, yeah, right. the scriptures teach that. So he adopts under the end of, and, and it, that many sons will come to glory. Anybody else? Any other thoughts on that? Carolyn? Yeah, he's the beloved. Does it honor Christ? Does it glorify Christ that enemies are made children? Is, 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 is Jesus not magnified in the great transition that took place from condemnation to justification? All glory be to Christ, one of our hymns we sing, right? And in regard to being enemies and now adopted because of what Jesus did and because we're in union with him, he is honored and magnified and glorified in that. So, Charlie, go ahead. You're... Yeah. All right. Very good. All right. So there's a lot that we could deal with here. Thirdly, by way uh, of, of largely introduction, there is a brief definition of adoption. All right. So what happens? So, so what is adoption? I mean, so we're just we're throwing this word. I think we pretty much all understand this. Just on a I gave just a little historical, but what happens in adoption? Okay. All right, anybody else? All right, you made family. So somebody, so it has to be somebody that wasn't family. So, Lord, well, you know, so Mike, Aaron. Olivia, Lizzie, and David are not adopted kids. They're, they're my biological children, right? If I were to bring in somebody else and then by a legal process, I mean, there are people I might say, you're like a son to me, you're like a daughter to me. 
But it's not, it's not just that. It's, it's not just saying you're like that to me. You, you are that. And you are that by a, a legal transaction, right? So um, we could get into a lot, lot more than that. But one of the things that, that is brought out here with that, if I were to adopt a child, Are they on the same standing as my biological children? Okay, they are. And the idea here is not just legally, but affectionately. And Jesus said that the Father loves us like he loves Jesus. But try to really wrap your mind around that. Of course he would love Jesus. Of course he would love Jesus. Jesus is perfect. Any of those here today? Uh, and, and, and we are not. We, we were estranged. We were far away. All of that language. And, and again, not just brought near, not just friends, but now in the family. Candy, what are you going to? And so, you know, and again, we, we, I mean, maybe you hear that and you go, Candy, don't say that. <laughs> you shouldn't really feel that. You know, but, but this, is, this is what this is compelling us to understand. All right, so let's go through just really quickly here the language of the confession, by which they are taken into the number. And, and, and here's, again, what we want to try to understand, and this is why I want to really focus on this, and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God. Liberties and privileges. Are there liberties and privileges that belong to your children that are not there for other people's children? Again, as much as we want to have a free and open, hey, we're all family and everything. I was thinking about this the other night with uh, Eleanor had her first spend the night with grandma and grandpa the other day. And she likes coming to our house and often say after church, I go to you, you house? I go to you house? Can I go to your house? And when she says that, of course, I always say, of course you can. Now, if one of your kids came up to me and said, I go to you house? I might say, well, sweetie, uh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I, now, I might say yes, but, but I, I, I might not. So I'm, I'm going to say, well, let's talk to your mom and dad. But she has a sense when she talks to me and to who she calls Joe, Becky, the Papa and Joe, and she talks to us, she has an expectation that she does not have from any of you because she's part of the number. She's, she's in the family. And again, uh, all this to say that adopted children legally and formally, and, and, but we also need to add affectionately have conferred upon them the real dynamics and privileges of family life. Now, I think if we were to get into this more fully today, especially when we talk about privileges, we don't take advantage of some of these privileges like we should. But I do want to just highlight a few things here, because, again, I want to get into this, that if we were to adopt a child, one of the things that we would want to 
really instill in them, depending on what age they were in, that, that this is your house. You don't have to ask me. So if my kids can open up the refrigerator during the day and grab an apple or grab a banana or something, well, then they can too. And if after a meal, we say everybody, okay, kids, there's brownies. And the, and the, but the one who maybe grew up in an orphanage, they didn't have that. Do I get to do that? Well, of course you do. And if they were to say, well, what do I call... I, I see Aaron and Olivia and Lizzie and David call you dad or daddy. What do I call you? Mr. Sevastio? Mr. Jim? Jim? Listen, sweetheart, when, you, when we adopted you, remember when we adopted you? You have a new last name. You have my name. And you're just as much my son or my daughter as my kids are. Now that's, that's, hard. that's got to be hard, I think, for a lot of kids to grasp. And, and, and in many adoptive cases, I'm sure you're aware, there's a lot of trauma that comes in. And, and what you hope would be so healing and you, what, what you hope would just be, but you're loved now, you're accepted now, can be very hard. And you know what? It's hard for a lot of Christians too. We have a far easier time believing that God could be displeased with us or angry with us. And we believe that he could be pleased with us and desirous of us. But we say in the family, if there are family hugs to go around, they all get the hug. If there is a bestowal of verbal affection, again, what a horrible thing it would be to be adopted into the family and say that this kid's name is, well, I'll give Daniela, because Daniela's somebody who is, some of you remember Daniela, is like a daughter to me. Julia is like a daughter to me. And that these are people that lived with us, or girls that lived with us for a year uh, when we were involved in foreign exchange. But if I said, hey, kids, once you want to gather, I just want to tell you, I'm so, I'm so, I just love you. Well, Daniela, not you. But the, I just want to say to the rest of you, no, you, you, you're part of the family. You get that as well. Hey, the family's getting together. That means all of you. If the natural children receive an inheritance, so too do the adopted uh, children. Now, it's interesting in, 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 in 1 John uh, some of the more modern translations, that is, other than the King James and New King James, really, when it says, see what manner of love, or see the, what kind of love the Father has bestowed on us, uh, that we should be called children of God, and, and most of the translation says, and so we are. That line, so we are, is certainly theologically accurate, even if it's inconclusively debatable about which textual variant to look at. But what is being said here is that you're not just called the children of God. You are the children of God. And do you see the difference? You say to somebody sometimes, I thought we were friends. Uh, we are friends. But you don't treat me like a friend. You say we're friends, but we're not friends. See what we could say? You say, you say that I was adopted into the family, but you don't treat me like I am. Now, it's not just that you're called the children of God. You are the children of God. All right, so that's kind of a quick overview of adoption. Let's begin looking at the great blessings uh, of adoption. Again, our confession says, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges 
of the children of God. Now, as I break it down in the confession, there are 11 of these. Now, this would be fun, actually, um, to have you. I, let's, let's do this. Let's not look here for a minute. When you think of blessings and privileges that belong to us as the children of God, is there anything specifically that comes to your mind? Prayer. The knowledge that God, okay, so, all right, good. Prayer, access to the Father, all right, any, what, what else? Comfort, what else? Secure. Secure, feel secure. Promises. All right, you yeah, have certain promises, what else? Anybody else? Provision. Provision, very good. Anything else, anybody else? An inheritance. A knowledge of the truth. Okay? When you think about God's my father, therefore I can or I do in a way that those who aren't the children of God can't say and can't anticipate. The law of freedom. Live under the law of freedom. Good. Anybody else? Parented by him. Oh, all right. Oh, yes, yeah, somebody said yeah, protection, yeah, provision, chastisement. Dependence. Dependence. Yeah, really good. Yeah, that's. Ah, sibling relationships within the body. I want to say this the old, I, I don't know, people still say put a pin in that. Put a pin in that for the morning worship. <laughs> Marie? Forgiveness. Forgiveness? Really good. Yeah. Yeah, so again, we're thinking about not just being a Christian, but being a child, being an adopted child. Yeah, access. Again, do, do your kids have act? You know, if you have your your kids have the house key, or or in my case, the house code, right? So I say, hey, hey, I have the code, uh, and not just that. Sometimes you have the barge in rights. Uh, the sometimes. I mean, you might need to say to your kid, hey, look, you do need to knock before you come in, depending on where I am. Uh, but the barge-in rights and the confident rights. You know, uh, Pastor John, anybody here you know, knows, any kid, actually any adult too, if any of you want Smarties. So if you're visiting here and you need Smarties, Pastor uh, John says, hey, I can't give all. But, but he is in a, if, if I had some candy in my pocket, I might bring it thinking, I'm going to give it to Eleanor. But he's made it like, no, it's, it's, for, every, it's, it's for everybody. But sometimes you want to say, look, no, you, you can't have the bolt, you know, I'm not your dad, it's not for me to take care of, it's not, you understand that. But when it is your child, you feel this boldness, this confidence, that, that a, you know, a, a proper swagger, at least, in a sense, that that's my father, I can go to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think Brian said pr- protection too. So, it, but, but that, but perfection, the oh, the perfection. Mm. Yes, we sometimes make mistakes by too much, too little, too hard, not enough. All right, so let, let's go through a few of these. I'm just we'll we'll highlight one or two and then come back, uh, God willing, in 
uh, October. Just let that sink in, folks. October is almost here. So, uh, All right, so they give, uh, I'm going to break these down. They have his name put upon them. Look at passages like 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 18. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord uh, Almighty. And so again, there are times when there is, it, it is brought out sons and daughters. And again, when it says sons, remember, it's not just talking about males uh, in regard to this birthright. But God looks upon you and says that they are mine. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, uh, says the Lord Almighty. They receive the spirit of adoption. All right, so if you have a copy of the confession, look at it for a minute. And let me ask you this. All right, when you think of the term, are, how many of you are familiar with this term, the spirit of adoption? So it's in the Bible, right? It's in the book of Romans. What is, is the spirit of adoption, what, what, what would be the two potential um, interpretations of spirit of adoption that he's giving you what's that okay alright anybody else with the idea what, what would it be that the spirit of adoption could be what it could be a reference to the Holy Spirit the spirit of God is the spirit of adoption right what else could it be a human spirit, by which we mean a, a disposition of, or an understanding, or an appreciation of. That I have, a, I have, I have a, the spirit of adoption. See, the spirit of adoption within us allows us to enjoy the privileges of adoption. It's what allows us to say, it's the spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we're the children of God, right? It's our ability to say, like, so that... We're going to get into this next time. I can call God Father. I can say Abba. That there is, by the work of the Holy Spirit, a disposition in me that not only, that not only receives what God says about his being our Father, but who, that we treat God like he's our Father. We go to God like he's our Father. We depend upon God. We take comfort from God as our Father. All right, so the question is, if you look, look at the confession, how would you differentiate if you were trying to write spirit of adoption and you meant the Holy Spirit or you meant the human spirit? How would you, in English, differentiate those two? Uh, you'd capitalize it, right? All right, so look at, uh, in our confession, what is it? Is it, is it capital or small s or capital S? It's lowercase s. All right, which would indicate that as what they're talking about here is that God puts a disposition within us by the Spirit, but God puts this family spirit within us so that we, we can not, you know, it's not just God saying, look, I view you like children. God could say, I view you like children, and you could say, well, I don't view you like, like you're my dad. Sometimes an adopted kid might say that. You're not my father. 
Well, they don't have the spirit of adoption. You know, see that when they, if they would say, well, you're not my father, you're not my, these aren't really my brothers and sisters. You say, well, you don't understand it then. Because we are. And yet, yeah, legally I know. But I don't feel like it. And, and again, that can happen to us as we see God or as we see one another. All right, so turn real quickly to Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. And I'll be curious with different translations here. I know what it says in the New King James. All right, anybody see it? Does anybody have, if you have an ESV or an NAS, and look at Romans 8, 15, you receive the spirit of adoption, lowercase or capital? Lower. All right, New King James is what? Capital. Uh, which means translators differ on this. I don't know if anybody has any mo- more modern translation that has it uppercase. The NIV has uppercase. Okay, interesting. <clears throat> What's that? All right, Spanish is lower. I, I, I think that that's probably more accurate, and the reason I say that is because of the contrast that's being made. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. So the spirit of bondage is our human disposition of fear. And the spirit of of adoption, though given by the spirit, is an internal enjoyment of a sense that this really is mine. All right, so brethren, in a few moments, we're going to gather back in this room and we are going to call on the name of God and we will call him our father. And may it be that as a result of studying these things, we'll have a deeper awareness and appreciation of the blessings that come with that name. Well, we'll pick up here, God willing, next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to look into the word and to discuss these rich blessings and privileges that are ours as the children of God. Father, that that we can look to you and say we love you, we trust you, we seek shelter in you, and to believe, Lord, that you receive us uh, as you receive even your son, the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.